Welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Greg Alprin, and we, who's already laughing, it's hysterical watching him laugh. I didn't even say anything, and he's already cracking up. Jay Durena, live from Toronto, Canada, in tears already. Good son. The man, the Mangina Dialogues is so funny, man. That's so fucking. Uh, I know you've probably said it hundreds of times. So yeah, it's like way too many times. So it doesn't hit you. I and I've read it. I was like, oh man, giant dialogues. That's so funny. But hearing you say it out loud, I was like, man, fuck. I can't I can't keep a straight face with that. You know what's what's really like funny? Like our old theme song. That's actually a new theme song I had done because the show's kind of in its new place right now. My yeah. our old theme song uh, actually has a video that goes along with it, which is done by puppets. Right, right on. And there's full lyrics. That's right? amazing. So a complete, a complete set of lyrics, like totally, from, you know, like le like legit, like hip hop lyrics. Yeah. And like, there's lyrics in there that I have no idea what they mean. And people like who listen to the song, like while it's playing, are like, "Did they say full swung titty in your intro music?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah." These two fucking puppets said full swung titty. And everyone's like, "What does that mean?" I'm like, "I have no idea." I don't but know. I hired these guys to write a theme song. That's what they came up with. It's a comedy show. It works. It sounds good, man. It so, sounds good. That's what's important. It all works in the, <laughs> in the, with the name. I mean, you know, it, it's crazy. Everyone asks me where the name came from. And at this point I am thoroughly embarrassed, right? Not even by that name because my Instagram name kind of took on the life of its own years yeah. ago when I first started and I can't get away from it. And that my it's the Gregalicious, right? Love it, love it. So yeah, I I mean I kind of own it. Like at this point, I have no choice. Yeah. And I took a poll on Instagram like two or three months ago. I'm like, all right, I'm getting ready to dump the name. Do I dump it or do I keep it? And overwhelmingly, like it was a like a thousand or twelve hundred like people like responded to this stupid poll. And overwhelmingly, it was you're not seriously thinking about getting rid of the Gregalicious, right? And I'm keep it. I'm like, dude. I do a podcast once a week at least, and I have to start off by saying, welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I'm your host, The Gregalicious. <laughs> That's incredible. That's great, man. That is like such a tr perfect trademark moment that sticks in people's heads. Like, yeah, I, yeah you got to keep that. God, <laughs> that goes on a shirt, man. The Gregalicious from the Mangina Dialogues. That's oh, it's like on a shirt. It's on shirts. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Shirts. I have so much merch that's sitting in a drawer in my house that it's like, it, it's, it's just ridiculous. And I apologize in advance. <laughs> anyway, man, how are you? <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, things are are flowing up here in a certain sense. Thing, uh, some things are really good, like our cases are dropping in Corona wise. Uh, some things are bad, like we uh, we just are going to another lockdown. I've right. I done like virtual stand up here and there, but I haven't done real stand up in a long time. Uh, so I'm just edging to get on stage again. We were able to book some shows out of town because there's some like surrounding cities sure. in, in Ontario that um, are in green zone. We have like a color coded system yeah. over here. Um, so we were able to book some shows, I think in, when was it now? I want to say it was like beginning of March. And then before that it was November. So it's wow. been like a long multi-month long gaps in between performing. Yeah. I, you know, I have a bunch of friends up, up in, in, uh, in Toronto and the surrounding area. One of them lives in London. I think she lives in. Yeah. And, um, 
she just told me again, like it's back into full lockdown. Like she can't even work. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's been going in and out of that. And it's kind of frustrating because like, obviously we want to stem this and stop it, but it's like, we've been kind of doing this like in, out, in, out, in, out thing. And it's like, man, if we just stayed in the whole time we've been in without these breaks, would we have beat it already? Yeah. Because we wouldn't be constantly spiking the numbers by remingling. I don't know. A lot of people are frustrated, but I think it's just like people just don't want to be inside this long. Like regardless of whether or not we did the other version of staying in line for uh, staying inside for one long period of time, rather than going in and out, in and out, people would still be just as frustrated. I think. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty wild down here. We, you know, we're outside New York city. Yeah. And I'm technically, I'm in Connecticut, right? So Connecticut has been pretty, pretty good the entire time, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously taking away March and April of last year, since middle of May 2020, Connecticut's been kind of open, right? Yeah. So like first they opened up some inside restaurants and you could do some things and then June, everything kind of opened up. So we definitely have had it better than even our neighboring states of New Jersey and New York City, right? Mm -hmm. So like New York City last week, just on Friday, they were able to do indoor comedy shows. And oh my God. So basically like indoor dining opened up a couple of weeks ago and now indoor live events with entertainment, music, comedy, theater, whatever can open up with, you know, limited capacity, like 30%. Right. But it still allows you to do something. It allows you to do something and it, it feels great, man. Yeah. Like having those few moments where I could get on stage again, were like, it was, it, I had, kind of my writing had slowed down and a lot of things kind of uh, halted in in certain areas of being creative. And, and it's because if you like stand up is such an expressive art form where you have to be getting on stage to know if your jokes are working. Sure. Like you can have a, a general understanding of things are funny, but you could like write a song by yourself and sure. know if that song is good or bad. You with stand up, you have to get in front of the crowd. So doing a couple shows when we went outside of the city, I like immediately all these ideas of jokes I can write start flowing in and I have this excitement to get on stage, this excitement to practice this new material. And it was, it was there and gone so quickly, but it, it felt so nice to have it back. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I, I don't do stand up myself, I, but I go to a lot of shows and I, we book shows out here in Connecticut. And I think I mentioned before, like in partnership with stand up New York, one of the oldest clubs in New York city. And they opened up Friday night. So I went in, into the opening, you know, grand reopening, reopening, grand reopening of the club. And, you know, it was only performing to 40 people for two shows, right? Normally the club holds 140 people or something. Mm -hmm. And on a Friday night, it's always, it would always be crowded tourists, locals. So to 40 people, like it, it still looked and felt so good to be inside in New York city, like watching yeah. and guys performing comedy. And literally there were people like teared up. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not kidding. Like John, who's, you know, got caught up with something else who's my co-host he he's the booker at stand-up new york and the chief of staff and you know he went up on stage first to just welcome the crowd and like you could tell how like emotional it was that after like, over a year that finally now like in new york city like one of the meccas of comedy in the world can get back to business Right. It was such yeah. a good feeling to be there and watch and then watch the comedians who just could not wait to get up on stage. And, you know, like Sherrod Small came up and he's like, I haven't been on stage in months. So, like, yeah. this is going to be a ride. Like, buckle in. 
right just, yeah and, just to go on up and let it all out there's like uh, this like backlog of material you want to do and like so much of like my first kind of like stepping back on stage i think in november 2020 i i maybe did some shows in the summer when there was the outdoor gigs but it was like a three-month gap or so yeah. of like not doing anything that like i was like i don't even really want to do bits i was hosting my first gig back and i was like i just want to riff i just want to yeah. talk to the audience and i just want to say stuff and i just kind of want to be insane in front of people for a little yeah. bit and enjoy that feeling again yeah it was it was wild they did stand up new york produced almost 500 shows over the summer last summer in yeah. parks, in parks, right? Yeah. Parks. They're doing shows in subways. I mean, still, they did a show on a subway Saturday night, even though the club was open, just for kicks. Like, yeah, yeah. On the subway car, it's insane. And I, the first show I went to in the park over the summer in Central Park, my old co-host was talking to to someone, maybe Mark Norman or one of the other guys who was on the bill, and he was all nervous about doing his material in the park, like with a shitty subwoofer, you know, like speaker and a crappy mic and, you know, to people in lounge chairs with a baby birthday party going on 20 feet behind, right? <laughs> and she sits on the tone like, he's like, dude, the stakes couldn't be lower. Yeah. You got nothing to lose, man. Like, you got nothing to lose. to lose. Just go out and let it rip. Like chances are no one's even going to hear you. They're going to just courtesy laugh Yeah, <laughs> and just have some fun. And it, it, it wound up being an awesome time, you know, because it, it's true. Certainly the stakes were not very high, but just to, to be out doing stuff, you know, felt giving, great. and for the club to be giving, you know, 10 comedians more a day, all these chances to be up and working out material when you really had no other choice and paying them to do it. Yeah. Like it was such an awesome experience for those guys. And all those shows coming back, like these little bits and pieces of shows we've done, I've definitely found that audiences have been extremely forgiving. Like oh, they sure. are so happy just to be out and doing something. And there's no competition in terms of entertainment right now. Like for some reason I know in Toronto when stand-up came back, live music still wasn't allowed. I right. don't know what that is, maybe because it's like people are tend to dance or something when there's live music. I don't know what the rules are, but there's no, like when it comes to entertainment now, stand-up's one of the only things you can do and people have been locked yeah. up for so long. They're like, thank God this guy is telling me jokes because yeah. I just want that. It's really funny. We, we, because Connecticut was not on a full lockdown and we could still do live performances of only stand-up comedy, yeah. we, we ran a contest in December, right? So we did a three-week-long contest. It was, I think, about 70, 64 comedians were entered in the contest. Mm -hmm. Local, local like, restaurant we did it at. And then we held the finals at a theater that we're now pr promoting and producing shows at, which is normally a big theater, holds 700 people. Like because of COVID, it only can hold a hundred people. Now it can hold 160. Mm -hmm. So we put on this, this, we put on sale the finals, right? Of all these local comedians, which was 12 local comedians judged by two pro comics. Yeah. I didn't look at the ticket sales for like two weeks. I go look at the ticket sales. It was sold out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And absolutely. I'm like, what? I'm like, this event is sold out. Like it's a bunch of local comics granted in a beautiful theater. Mm -hmm. Right. That people are used to going to to see, you know, really great shows, comedy bands, whatever it may be. And it's sold out. And I'm like, holy shit, there is that much of a frenzy for people to go back into a real venue. Yeah. Like forget the, the restaurant we were doing. This is a real venue. People just wanted to go to a place. Oh, 100 percent. We're going to have a I think this summer is going to be 
uh, a hot time for live entertainment. Like yeah. a bunch of people are going to be very hungry to go out and see things. And um, I mean, most of it's most likely going to be outdoor, but it's like whatever you can get going. But who knows? Like vaccination is coming pretty quick. So I mean, for you guys, it's coming pretty quick. We're kind of well, right now. Why is it taking so long up your up in Canada? I, we don't know for sure. We have, um, uh, this is my theory. This is my theory is that there was like before when Trump was still in office, it seemed like we were going to get vaccinated really fast. Then Biden came in and he was like, Trump didn't have a vaccination plan. I'm putting a vaccination plan in place. And then all of a sudden we weren't getting vaccines and you guys were. So I think he literally, they like these American companies were selling vaccines and Biden went, absolutely not. We're vaccinating our people first. Right. I, I don't like, who am I? I'm an investigative journalist? No, I'm some dumb comic who makes TikTok videos. I don't know. This is my conspiracy theory. But it seemed like that happened. You guys are all supposed to be vaccinated by like May. And I think once you guys are good, then we can start to get your runoff. Yeah, I heard. I, I heard. I, I don't think that that's a crazy theory, right? I, I did hear that they are now shipping a bunch of vaccines to Canada because there's, I guess, too much that's allotted to the U.S. that we just flat out aren't going to need. Mm -hmm. So they're shipping them off, I guess, all around the world. But I know Canada was getting a whole bunch, which I don't know. That just seems weird because most of those companies aren't even American companies. I, right? like I said, man, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm going spinning wheels in my head. Yeah, from what I've heard on our side of the news was that they're like, just really the rollout and the management of it has been really poor. They're yeah. like, we were still at like vaccination for like, Oh, 70 plus. And apparently there was like some places in Hamilton where they only had 13% reservation. And it's like, well, if you lower the number and allow other people to come get vaccinated, more people are going to show up. So it's almost like they just haven't been paying attention to it. I don't know what's going wrong, but it seems like they're just not doing something. Yeah, right. I, I got, I got one a couple of weeks ago. And they, I had just hit like, it was 40 and over. So I just like, I was able to do it because I'm over 40. And then like a week ago, they were like, all right, anybody that can get wants a vaccine can get a vaccine starting last week. Yeah. So now everyone that's 16 and over in Connecticut, at least, and I think most states now can sign up and get a vaccine. And they estimate by May 1st that everyone that wants one will have one. Beautiful. And, I, I actually, I had COVID back in December, January, and it, it didn't really suck that much. I was kind of okay. You know, I wasn't asymptomatic, but I had mild symptoms. It's actually worse for me now than it was then. Mm -hmm. um, like the after effects and shit, like I can't work out anymore. Like I can't really exert myself without losing my wind very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hopefully that comes back. But I got vaccinated two weeks ago and got crazy sick the next day. Like, oh, really? Like, like the flu. Like I felt yeah. like I had the flu. And I'm like, oh, fucking A. Like this is worse than when I had COVID. Like yeah. I didn't feel this bad. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. And my doctor was like, you probably shouldn't get the vaccine for a couple more weeks because you're not really past your 90 days of recovery from COVID. And of course, I play a doctor on TV, so I know more than they do. Of course. And I'm like, fuck that. I got a point, but I'm going for it. Right. What do you know? Like, fuck yeah. this shit. Like, I'm going to take my chances. So I go get the vaccine, find that day. Next day, wake up, flu. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. So, yeah, of course, I had a big fucking pussy laid in bed all day and had food brought to me like I'm some kind of you know, king. Yeah, but that's, that's the cool. way to do it, man. Of like course. you're some like sort I of sultan. It. I milked it. Like yeah. definitely milked it. No <laughs> question about it. Mom called me 10 times. How are you doing? I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sick. What can you yeah. do for me? So <laughs> 
I go to sleep thinking, all right, I'm in for like three days of having the flu, you know, yeah. strap in. Woke up Friday morning the next day, totally fine, like nothing had happened. Beautiful. And I'm like, I felt, I'm like, that's beautiful. Then yeah. I'm like, what the fuck was in that shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows what like, they juiced you what up with? In that shot. Like, how could it make me so sick one day and then the next day, like nothing? Hey, man, I'm not a scientist. Uh, fucking ask no questions, hear no lies, baby. <laughs> Just give me the juice. You know, you know, I'm not a scientist. I, I'm not a, I'm a conspiracy theorist. Maybe. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the thing is, I don't know what's in most of the things I put in my body. Oh, I put in course. way more horrible things than fucking a vaccine in my body. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I want these things. Oh, there's obviously going to be some sort of side effects. Some people are, are experiencing different things that happen to them. Sure. Uh, I know there was the whole Bell's palsy thing. People yeah. are like getting paralysis yeah. on one side of the face. Apparently, all those cases, they went back to normal afterwards. Right. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I just I just want this whole thing to move forward so I can get vaccinated. And then we can go, the sooner we can get back to normal life, the better, baby. Yeah. It's funny you say that, but I put way more worse things in my body than a vaccine. Oh, and yeah. it's a, I went to a CBD store a couple of weeks ago and this, this like hippie girl starts explaining to me this gummy product that they have that's CBD, but it's also like hallucinogenic. Right. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, both of those things can't be true. Like yeah. it, it can't be CBD, but also be mind altering. Like, yeah. you know, and she's like, well, and then she starts explaining to me the, like why, right. And you know, obviously some CBD has some level of THC in it. For sure. And she starts explicitly like, well, it just has like 10 times that amount, but it's still considered CBD. I'm like, I don't get it. Right. Like I don't you're get like, it. You're just giving me weed, dude. I don't, don't, don't <laughs> want to get it. I'm like, just, so she gave me a sample. She took some, she's like, just take it, go home, try it. I'm like, okay. And as I'm walking out, she comes running out of the store and she's like, you made me a little nervous. You might want to try just half. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, girl, I spent many years on tour with the Grateful Dead. Whatever's in this gummy bear is nothing compared to the shit that I took in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Love it. By the way, that's cool as shit that you went on tour with the Grateful Dead. That's awesome. I, yeah. You know, I'm very lucky. Like I'm old enough to have seen Jerry multiple times and spent bunches of summers and springs on tour with the dead. And it was, it was a tremendous time. Dude, that is so cool. That is so cool. Are you, and a, I, are you a dead fan? Um, I'm honestly, when it comes to music, I'm so, I'm kind of musically illiterate. There's no right. like bands or musicians or anything I follow when it comes to entertainment. I've like, ever since I was a kid, video games is the thing I'm like so oh, really? entrenched in constantly, right. yeah. but I obviously know of the grateful dead. It's like sure. one of the greatest rock bands of all time and like paved the way for uh, LSD for so many people. Every, including me. Um, <laughs> yeah. My mom didn't hear that. Um, but absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously the godfathers of like the jam band scene, which I hate that yes. thing, but I mean, it, it really is. They, they really did bring out the experimental side of music, right? They took like ah, that, yeah. that jazz blues experimental stuff and brought it into rock really in, in a very psychedelic way, of course. 
Um, and anything was, that messes around with psychedelics, I'm always on board with that <laughs> acid mushrooms speaking. Yeah. Putting what I don't know what in my body I've, I've got, have a buddy who gave me like crushed up. He's like, they're mushrooms they are two different types of mushrooms. I blended them. I put them in pills. He's like, take one and see how you feel. He's like, it's a microdose. And I was like, yeah, sure. You gave me a bunch and I'm taking these no clue what's in them. And I'm like, yeah, great, man. It's great. I'm seeing the walls are breathing. Yeah. I'm having a great time, man. You know, it's funny. I, I, I spent a spring tour on with the Grateful Dead in, I don't know, maybe 1990, 89. I, I'm old. And I was in Atlanta, right? And the one day that I wasn't on any on anything and not messed up, like pure, totally sober, I don't think I drank that day. I was walking through the parking lot and I saw this girl freaking out, like clearly in an in acid meltdown. Yeah. Right. It could have been mushrooms, but one of the two, like an absolute meltdown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're been there, you, you can recognize that a mile away, you know? And I'm like, holy shit, that girl is like freaking out. And I'm like, kind of walking that way to see what's going on. Not that I'm going to offer help, but at least yeah, <laughs> it's just medically okay. Yeah. Right. And between two cars walks, you're going to think I'm crazy. Jesus. <laughs> right. Okay, can you explain, explain. I, I mean, like Jesus, like what yeah. you like. You picture in Jesus. That's what I saw in front of me. Right on. And I'm like, and I was sober. I'm like, wow, this is insane. And I've never seen that guy on tour before. I've seen a lot of guys that resemble Jesus, you know, coming out of the crazy buses and vans and stuff. But I've never seen this guy. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Jesus. And he puts his walks up to the girl, puts his hand on her head. That's it. And I was right there, just puts his hand on her head, stares at her, doesn't say a word, walks away. That girl walked away totally fine. That's game. Right? <laughs> That's nuts. And you saw this all live, like totally live. <laughs> Nobody believes me. They're like, you were definitely on drugs. And you're like, no, I was stone cold sober this day. And this was the I'm, one day. And they're like, you did not see Jesus. I'm like, exactly what you said. I was totally sober. And if it wasn't Jesus, it was his brother, James. I don't know, but, <laughs> but somewhere, somehow, someone took care of that girl. It was like nine feet tall. It was Jesus. Until I'm dead, I will go down with the, I saw Jesus save some girl's life in, in between two parked cars at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia at a Grateful Dead concert. Maybe you did. Maybe you did. I love the idea that Jesus is a Grateful Dead fan, too. He's like, oh, of course. he's just coming back to Earth. They check out a concert. He's like, oh, okay, I'll fix it real quick. There's like, oh, no more miracles there. for today. <laughs> I'm done. It's, uh, it's sugar magnolia time for me. You're listening to another episode of the Mangina Dialogues podcast, part of the Storic Media Podcast Network and brought to you by Corona Premier, now available on draft. Yeah, man. Anyway, man, let's talk about some some of your comedy stuff. Like, yeah, you, you're, you're raised in, in Canada, right? Yeah. So I, I grew up in BC. Uh, I lived in BC until I was like 18. Um, and then I started traveling around. Uh, I lived in Mexico for a little while. I was like uh, scuba diving in instructor out there. And then uh, when I was actually living out there, I started doing stand-up with like a small group of expats who do stand-up for tourists. Right. I, I kind of like my brother started doing it while he was in BC and I like got into it uh, and then did it for about a year out there. And I was like, you know what? I love this. I if I want to take it seriously, I need to go to somewhere where it's taken seriously. So I moved to Toronto. I would have gone to like New York or LA, but I obviously get it. You can't go unless you have a visa or something. Sure. So moved to Toronto and then ever since then have just been like grinding on the scene, trying to make it happen. 
And what what's the scene like in the the comedy scene like in Toronto? I mean, pre-COVID, beautiful. It's a place where you could get up several times a night, easily get up three, four times a night. Like some of those shows are little rink-a-dink open mics of, that are only right. for uh, comedians, that yeah. like only comedians watching. Uh, but there was tons of great rooms. I mean, there was the Corner Comedy Club was like a small club that sit like 35 people. So it's like really packed on a weekend. It's just like the most intimate space. It's a place where I would take my jokes to know if they live or die. Yeah. Like it, there was, it was impossible to lie to the audience in that setting right. and to get an ungenuine response. And so like if a joke passed there on the weekend, I was like, okay, it's rock solid goes into the act. Yep. Um, and then there was like the underground and the underground was like this place pulled out of time. So we could grateful right. dead. It was like right. a basement from like the sixties or seventies where that had like all this like psychedelic weed art all over the room. And it was a, um, a vapor lounge so people could come in there and smoke weed and hang out uh and the there's like this weird level vapor lounges do i don't know if you guys have vapor lounges in new york um not so much in i'm sure there's some around in in new york there there were some out here by where i live and they all always seem to get shut down yeah there's uh they're like there was at least four in the like Toronto, like downtown Toronto, maybe like including to Etobicoke four, but there, um, most of them or all of them had comedy shows at one point or another. There was like the hot box, which was the classic one. And they all varied in like how good they were because there was like vapor central, which had uh, comedy shows, but everyone who went to that room was a little bit on the younger side, maybe like early twenties. And they smoke weed, like they're smoking weed to win. Like they get so fucking high that they just become sort of brain dead and you it's hard to perform for them the underground was this beautiful space where you had an older audience who would like smoke responsibly and like have a couple drinks and they just chilled out in this and they were the most like giving fun audience where you could riff and try stuff and i felt the most like the least pressure and the most free and the most authentic on that stage there's just like some beautiful rooms that hopefully come back in one way or another and then there's established clubs like yuck yucks absolute comedy bar was like a space that just had comedy going all the time um that yeah it's it's a wonderful scene out here and how how long have you been doing it I'm um, eight years in now. Well, with one COVID year. So let's right. say, let's say we're still at seven. Uh, counseling. Yeah. <laughs> Did you do a lot of Zoom shows in, in these virtual shows? So I've been trying to get on the Zoom shows like as much as possible. They're a little bit of a different vibe, of course. Uh, I, I find that audiences laugh at different points, but I've been trying to do what I can to keep my stuff fresh. Right. Uh, that's like one of the reasons why I've been putting up more content on TikTok is because yeah. it's just like that is something I can put my content out on now, get an immediate response and sure. still like develop my comedic voice. Yeah, yeah your TikTok's freaking hysterical. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, I literally went down a rabbit hole the other day when Rachel sent it, sent me all your stuff, and I'm like watching them. And I'm not a, I'm not an avid TikTok person, right? Yeah. But when someone shows me something funny on TikTok, I'll just spend hours like just scrolling through it. And yours are so funny, man. They're just and they're and you know what I like most about them? They're they're this is gonna I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but they're just easy to watch. Oh, for sure. Right. For sure. It's, it's like, then they're quick and you know, there's different visuals in there. Like it's just so well done. Like the style is great. And like the, the comedy and the bits are just really, really sharp. I just wanted to like my whole 
vision for like what I wanted this to do. I was like, I'm getting into this platform. I want the content that I make to be like quick and yep. easy to create because I'm already spinning plates in so many different areas. You're writing stand up. You're like, like you've got your podcast. Everyone's got things that they're already working on. Sure. So it's like, how can I translate my sense of humor into this platform with a certain level of ease? And that's what I wanted to do was like, just it to be authentically my sense of humor and I can put it through whatever lens I want it to. That's why like elements of TikTok, like the stitches where you're doing reactions to another video play well into like my comedic ability, which is just look at it, comment on it, fire out some jokes about it. Right. How did you develop the the TikTok following different from like Instagram, right? Because on TikTok, you have over 2 million followers. Yeah. And on Instagram, it's obviously way lower than that. Like, did you make a conscious effort to focus more on TikTok than Instagram and or Twitter or whatever, but it's between Instagram and TikTok, or did you find it easier to develop an audience on on TikTok than you did on on Instagram? So I definitely found it easier to develop the audience. I've been working like uh, consistently on TikTok for a much shorter period of time. And I think like for what my brand is, TikTok is more suited towards me. Instagram, like in its foundation is imagery. Like, right. uh, of course it starts off with pictures, but imagery in like a deeper sense where it's like people are putting an image forward of what they want you to, of what they want to represent themselves as. Sure. And there's uh, where TikTok has sort of stripped away that element and it's much more authentic when things are are falsified or things are kind of there for clicks. It's not taken as well on TikTok. And people just want to see an honest version of something. It doesn't matter what it is. It is your life, your sense of humor. You see, you like on any other platform compared to anything else, you'll see the most girls without makeup on TikTok compared to any other platform. Because it's like people just being like, this is me. I'm a human being. This is my life. And this is my perspective. In terms of creating content and getting in front of people, TikTok's algorithm works like the, how do I explain this? Like it's, it's the social version of YouTube where YouTube is a search engine optimization. So what you get with YouTube, it's like they're Google. So they're using keywords. You're using you, your video goes viral based on things like people watching it all the way through people clicking on a video afterwards. The words that you're using are people typing those words a lot. It's all created through infrastructure like that, where TikTok's algorithm is based off the social element, people watching it and engaging with it and sharing it. And how many people do that then causes it to spread and spread and spread. And each video is judged on an authentic level like that to a certain extent, obviously like my account got some community guideline violations because I like to walk the line a little bit in the content I put out. Um, So then that will devalue my content a little bit and I'll start getting less views. Then you have to be a good boy for a little bit to get those views back. But that that element of TikTok allowed me to connect to people in a very authentic way where I was just like, this is my sense of humor. I'm sending you jokes. And if people are like, I think it's funny, they'll rewatch it, share it sure. and, and spread it around in a way that doesn't really happen with YouTube. Right. So how, how did you go from, you know, a, a Toronto based community, which you obviously you are right to TikTok, and then to like having one of the premier, if not the premier agencies represent you? Like did um, the TikTok thing lead you to them or did you have them before you had to like, how did the, how did that whole thing get together? Honestly, this was like it, it, the, everything has happened so fast. Like it's kind of a, like 
it's happening fast now, but when I really look at the process, I've been doing standup for eight years, right? Yep. So it has been this entire like grind of doing standup. And I remember points that like when I was like six years in, I went from telling jokes that the audience would respond to and I understood they would laugh at to understanding how to translate my sense of humor on stage right. and tell jokes that were more authentic to myself. Sure. And I remember the first time I wrote like 10 minutes in that like voice, I guess you would call it. It's such a cheesy term. Yeah. Um, but I did it and then I couldn't do it again. And I was like struggling to get back to that mentality. So getting to that point over the next few years, then once TikTok and these other platforms came around, because I also work for like a YouTube channel and I sure. do reactions on there and stuff. So understanding then through doing TikTok and YouTube and all these other things, now I have this like this machine, which is my sense of humor, which I spent years developing. I can take something, put it through that machine and it comes out as jokes. Right. And so then TikTok came around or me putting out TikTok, uh, content on TikTok seriously came around and I just started putting these videos and putting things through this machine. So that whole process took like eight years to get here. But then once it started to take on TikTok, it was like, I started posting seriously in December, 2020, and now we're just at the beginning of April and it just moved super quickly. And then wow. people are contacting me, agents, all this stuff. And I, I'm like trying to keep up with what's going on because you don't want to lose the flame. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I have no idea because Canada, especially our entertainment industry is so much like, more stifled than what you have going on in the States. There's way less opportunity. There are people who are much funnier and much have much more credits and much more talented, have much more skills than I do, who aren't getting looked at at all just because Canada, we don't, there, everything kind of gets neutered over here and you right. don't get a bunch of writing jobs and there isn't as much money to go around. Like well, a perfect example is I've had three different managers reach out from America to try and represent me. Uh, and obviously that's how we got connected. Sure. Uh, and I've had zero people in Canada reach out to me, Wow! which is like, I'm in the country and, and people right over the border can see the potential and what I can be. Yeah. And they're willing to invest in me, but no one here has, has any idea of what I'm doing really. Well, I mean, listen, man, <laughs> if you had to fall into the lap of someone, you fell into the lap of a pretty good company to be, be represented by. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm so happy. And even uh, working with, with Rachel has been so far incredible. Like it's like, it's a, a great vibe of, of honest understanding and a real person. She says, dude. And I'm like, like this, just someone I vibe with. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. She's yeah. great. Like I can tell you, like, you know, I've said I've dealt with tons of agencies and managers and agents and, um, you know, once I got connected with her, I've only been connected to her a little, a little while. She, she's super supportive. She's easy to talk to. She's totally real. And, you know, I, I'm sure that she'll tell it to you like it is, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whether, whether it's me or you or a club that you're, or whatever it might be. And, you know, sometimes you don't get the answers you want, but you have to respect if you get the truth coming from, but because if, when you know that they're shooting it to you straight. Yeah, right? absolutely. And that, that's the most important thing with a manager, agent, you know, anyone representing you is that you trust they're shooting it to you straight and half the time they're going to tell you shit you don't want to hear and half the time they're going to tell you shit you do want to hear. Yeah. You but the, yeah, the, to go back to your question, it's like the, it's been so hard to 
grab a hold of all of this. I'm trying to just keep things moving forward and open doors that I feel like need to be opened. Like, uh, like I've started a Twitch channel now because sure. I've, like I told you, love video games. Um, yeah. if, if I look at someone like Joe Rogan, who's like, he was a fighter years before he did, um, entertainment or anything like that. And he was able to like mix those two worlds together, fighting yeah. and entertainment. And it's like, I've spent my whole, I listen to a, a daily video game podcast that talks about video game news. That's how much of a nerd I am in this space. So it's like, it makes sense for me to try and reach into that area. Oh, sure. So looking at things, saying yes to things, saying no to certain things. Cause I like now it's wild how much people just start asking you for anything. Like sure. it's like, can you promote my GoFundMe? Can you do this? Do you want to come on this thing? I have, a, I'm writing a movie. I've got a TV show idea. Can you look at the script and just people just start firing stuff at you. Yeah. And you're kind of like, I'm like, uh, yes, no, I don't know. Um, yeah. So people like Rachel have helped me like put my feet down and understand where I need to move and oh, totally. uh, how to keep this moving in a positive direction. Yeah, definitely. When the wheel, when, when stuff starts to spin, you definitely have to have that person there who can, you know, do the things you may not want to do, which a lot of times is say no. Yeah. You know, absolutely. You, like, you, you may, you know, obviously you seem like a super, in, you know, awesome dude, engaging, like probably have a hard time saying no to things when people say, Hey, can you help me with this? Like you just naturally want to say yes, but you can't say yes to everything and you need someone to say no for you. And agents have no problem saying no, Absolutely. like no problem. And you know, the good ones will certainly guide you into what you should say yes to and what you should say no to, you know, and so that's, that's awesome. That that's really like what you want in your corner. And I'm learning those, those skills as I move along, but I'm really trying to not get too distracted yep. uh, and understand like things will move at the pace that they need to move at. Um, and even things like getting an American visa now, that's probably, that process is probably going to be about a year or maybe wow. a little less than that. Um, but knowing just keep focusing on the fundamentals now, keep the TikTok going, keep writing, like working in stand-up in areas where I can, so I can keep my progression as like an, uh, a performer and an artist and everything moving forward. Um, so the, the product keeps getting good because one of the biggest things I want to focus on is like stand-up to me always needs to be the core for one. Sure. It's the reason I got into entertainment in the first place. It's the thing I love the most. And I feel like it's the thing that is the most important because that is the product. Yeah. Like, the content I make on TikTok, I love it. And I believe it is a true representation of my sense of humor. But at the end of the day, it's uh, it's beholden to a, a platform that could kick me off at any time. Yeah. Um, and the same as if you're on YouTube or any of these other things. If you make a product that no one else can make, if you're like The Grateful Dead or Kanye West or some artist, when they release an album, everyone goes to check out that album because only they can create that product. If sure. you can create that product, then that makes you irreplaceable to a certain extent. So as long as I keep my standup at its core, the thing that I'm driving everyone to, then that makes it like maybe the most important part and the safest and most secure part of my career. Oh, totally. So, I mean, that's a great perspective to have, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Very important to have a good perspective on, on your own career. Mm -hmm. So, before we, we wrap, I think we need to talk about the other best name out there. <laughs> At least it's going to come up in this 45-minute interview. Yeah. Is your debut comedy album, Tales from My Butthole. Love it. Love it. Yes. So to everyone listening, that's a real thing. 
That's, yeah. that's not a joke, uh, although it is a comedy album. Um, so, <laughs> one, like, how'd you come up with the name? Um, first, I was going to call it Tuxedo Shirt. That was my idea for it because I was like, it's kind of, it's a good representation of my sense of humor. Um, it's uh, like, I have a very highbrow, lowbrow. I like to create that contrast in the jokes that I make. Like, if you can take a concept like... Uh, I don't know, like fettuccine Alfredo and make it very regal and, 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 uh, and royal. That's right. to me, that's funny. It's fettuccine Alfredo. It's a, it's a, it's a low level pasta. Um, so that's what I was going to call the album first. But when, after I did the recording, I was sitting down, I was like, I can come up with something better than that. I was like something that when people say it, they'll remember it. It's catchy. It sticks with them. So I just, threw some words around in my head for a little bit. Tales from my butthole is what stuck. I was like, and it's still, I feel like it's still translated what you're getting out of the album, which is 100% <laughs> well, Tales from it, my butthole. I, I, I tell you, it's a name that definitely sticks. Yeah. yeah. For lots of reasons. Um, like, did, did, so did, did anyone try to steer you away from that title? Absolutely not. No one. All, most of my friends are comedians, so they were all very on board with Tales from My Yeah, no, I imagine comedians would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would. I wouldn't be like, hey, man, you should think twice about that album title. I'd be like, go for it, man. Fuck that. That album cover art's going to be insane. Oh, yeah. There's actually, if you look at the album cover art, it's like a psychedelic picture of my face. And right. then if you look in the eyeballs, there's buttholes in each one of the eyeballs. It's oh, like, like a sphincter. Which is you're, so you're a sick dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Uh, oh. Definitely, I, under, I understand the, the just popping the, the mushroom pills. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of psychedelics. Uh, I think I might have, I definitely have a joke about mushrooms. I can't, if I'm thinking now, I can't remember if it actually made it onto the album. Um, but doing the album was so fun. It was the most stressed I've ever been performing comedy. My back hurt from being that tense. Yeah. Just sure. this like feeling of like, you got to get it all in one night. Yeah. Um, but it was a, it was a great combination of like everything I've worked from uh, and like all the like different levels of my sense of humor that kind of de have developed through my comedy so far. And it was so happy to see it all be put together. And it made me even more excited for the next thing I'm going to create because like you start developing as a standup so much more and you can put all that material kind of to bed for a bit and just be like, we're starting from scratch, work on new stuff. What are the new ideas in my mind? Yeah, for sure. So what, so what is coming up for you, right? So the album is out. People should go download it and listen to it and buy it everywhere you can buy it and support. Um, how are you going to spend the balance of the year once you, once hopefully we all come out of this COVID, you know, lockdown? So the main thing I'm going to be doing is like booking shows like mad. What we're, I have a few other comics who I've go on tour on. We've done annual tours for the last two years or three years. Um, and we're going to try and just book the summer solid with like as many outdoor gigs as we can, golf courses, bars, whatever, anywhere who's got a thing they want to put on, we're going to put on a show everywhere. And that's what I want the bulk of my summer to be, to develop as much as I can to get like a good solid, like maybe 30 to 40 minutes of just like rock solid content, right? Um, content jokes. Right. And it's all going to be in Canada or you're going to try to, you're going to come down to the U.S.? All going to be in Canada because the like, especially now, like cross 
crossing the border before to get opportunities is something that a risk that a lot of Canadian comedians take because, as I mentioned before, the opportunities here are slim and you get ignored. A lot of very funny people get ignored and can be discouraging. Um, so you go to the States to try and make those opportunities happen. But now that things are kind of coming to me from the States, I'm going to take those risks, probably not at all until I can legally go down there and do shows. Because right. if I did get caught, it's like a 10 year ban or something. And then, oh, shit. All the, oh yeah, all the opportunities are gone. Yeah. It's, it can be a serious like restriction. It can, and that's career ending. Wow. I didn't realize that. I thought you could just come down like on vacation for two weeks and perform. You can. And like the, the thing is like, Technically, it's legal to go down and perform if you're not making any money. That's absolutely true. Yeah, sure. But if the thing with Border Patrol is like, even if they can't prove that you're making money or that you made money, if there's a show that you were on, it has your name on the poster and there was a ticket link to the poster, like, well, this show is making money. You were on the show and you go, oh, they didn't pay me. The, that's the, the border sometimes doesn't care about that at all. I know there was, uh, who was it? Kathleen Madigan? Is it was a Canadian comic. She got filmed at like the Laugh Factory or something, and I think she got a ten year ban because uh, oh, they oh. they saw that when she was crossing back over the border, and it's like it, it like it's so small now. And now like I have over two million followers on on TikTok. If I go to do a show somewhere, there's a chance that someone who knows me sees me and films me on stage. Oh sure. And then that goes up. Um, I can't get in. So anything going down to the states right now, I'm definitely going to. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. It's going to be like doors are opening where they should open. Uh, opportunities can come and you can get like a quick sponsor visa for certain sure. gigs sure. and I'll get those opportunities to come. And before you know it, I'll have my full visa and I'll be living down there. Wow. That's awesome, man. It, really, that it's awesome. And it's a great, I mean, it sounds like obviously you don't have much of a choice, but you also have a good plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So listen, dude, I really appreciate you taking the time to chill with me and, and shoot the shit and make fun of my name. And it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and anything, but like, what's all your socials? Uh, everything. I'm Che Dorena on everything. That's C H E D U R E N A on every platform, um, except for Twitch and YouTube. It's a little dinky news because I do all that with uh, with a buddy of mine who's also a comedian. He actually used to be my roommate, and we just we stream. We're not amazing at video games, but we are good enough. We're like deep. We're pretty good, but it's more just us talking shit the entire time. That is the draw of it. It's almost like a podcast, and it's guys playing video games ridiculously. <laughs> sounds pretty. Sounds like if I tried to play some video games, exactly what would happen. It's great. It's a great time. Let's get Pong or Tecmo Bowl 1989 or 90. We could always dig something like that up. I love the classics. I love them. You know, they, they um, Nintendo put out that that system a couple years ago that were all the throwback games, like in yeah, one yeah. little box. Yep. And I I had that Nintendo 64 when I was in college. Yeah. And I only had one game and it was What's Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, yeah they, right. it, the, on the old NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, and you know the Bo, it was a Bo Jackson year, and like that was the only thing that you, you ran. Like everyone yeah. wanted the Raiders to get Bo Jackson. Yeah, and my buddy from college still has it in his. No house. way! That's it. probably worth some cash. Like, one man. game and the and the and the original NES. It's, I was like, can I have it, please? He's like, no, man. Will you play it all the time? It still works. <laughs> it still works. Yeah, it still works. That's incredible, man. Yeah. Holy, he's taking care years, of that. 30 years later, it's pretty well. That is. All right, dude. Thanks a lot, man. Wish you absolutely the best of luck. Um, hopefully, we'll see you down here in the States sometime soon. If not, next time I get up to Toronto, which who the hell knows when that'll be, used to be like four times a year, uh, I'll definitely like look you up. 
Absolutely, man. If you head up here, let me know. I'll I'll show you all the spots. I know where all the great spots in the city are. I will will take you up on it, man. Right on. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, bro.